Off to Flint this week on our alphabet tour of the Ontario Hockey League. That's right. Everything goes alphabetically. So everybody who thinks I'm just going to skip London, because you know how I feel about London. It's not true. It's not true. London will come up somewhere near the middle. In fact, not too far down the road when we get to the L's, which will be after the K's in Kitchener. And of course, after the F's in Flint, as we now get the opportunity to speak to the brand new Director of Broadcasting and Communications, Radio and Television, Play-by-Play with the Flint Firebirds, Mr. Jack Sneveis. Welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, it's been, uh, well, when we look back to where the Firebirds were when all came crashing down in March of 2020, uh, what a space they were in. But before we talk about that and the, the franchise best season that they were in the midst of, uh, you came along in, in between all of that. Where were you in March of 2020, and how did you end up where you are with Flint now? <laughs> so I actually was a intern for Dominic Hennig, a uh, longtime voice of the Firebirds, for that, that, that entire season for home games. So I remember, you know, March 11th or whatever it was, I was watching the team on, you know, streaming it through the OHL, and they were in, Sarnia or the Sioux or something and the whole time I'm just thinking you know I know what's going on but they have no idea and sure enough everything you know closed up and it's just been a waiting game ever since hoping to you know eventually get back to the doors and see the team and hope we can continue on the winning ways. You you come by your roots though and your love of the game honestly and and you were calling games before the Flint Firebirds came along. Yeah, that's right. So I've been wanting to do this uh, hockey play-by-play since I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, I grew up uh, Metro Detroit area. Both my parents went to Michigan State, so I, you know, naturally Spartan my whole life. Ended up there and got the broadcast uh, for the hockey team for last six years now as part of the Big Ten Network, and that's been cool. You know, I got to broadcast games for guys like Quinn Hughes and. Uh, Cole Caulfield, that's probably a big name at the moment, and all those guys in the Big Ten. So it's been a really fun last few years doing that and excited on this new chapter in the OHL. Does it go without saying, being a Metro Detroit boy, that the Wings are your team? The Wings are my team, and it's great to have Steve Eisman back home where he belongs. Oh, God. (laughs) You and Pope are going to be insufferable. I'm just going to leave the two of you in a corner, okay, when I get to the Dort, because I have a hard enough time dealing with him on this end of things. Every time the name Steve Eisman comes up, every time we go to Peterborough, every time he gets a chance, he reminds me that Stevie Y is the best player to ever play the game. Well, he's certainly up there, and he's, you know... (laughs) hunting down best GM ever if, you know, these prospects the Wings have pan out down the road and everything. So fingers crossed for us for sure down here in Detroit area. All right, let's focus on this Flint Firebirds team as we come into the 2021-2022 season. You were there, as you mentioned, throughout that 2019-2020 season, that franchise best holding down fourth spot. It Look, that was a team that we were both looking forward to just from a a fan's perspective, Pope and I would talk about it all the time. We want to be at the Dort for a playoff game sometime. And then, of course, if you're a little bit of a homer like I am, I'm thinking, I don't want any part of that Flynn Firebirds team. They might steamroll you and go on in the playoffs. But it, it must have been a, a, a bittersweet thing for sure when everything shut down because the Firebirds were going so great guns. Right. And, I, you know, I was spoiled. I wasn't there for, you know, 
rebuilding through the years and getting, you know, the Delandrias and the Osmonds and finally it all coming together. So, you know, it was great to see the success and you could just tell the city, the team, the staff, everyone was just, you know, had been waiting for that year for so long and it finally happened. And yeah, we all feel, you know, cheated that we didn't get to see, you know, what happened next with them. So what happens coming up with the Firebirds? What should we expect come the fall? Well, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a young team, like a lot of teams in the OHL, missing out, you know, two overage classes that really didn't, you know, get their fair share, I guess. And a lot of 2020 prospects haven't played yet and all the 2021. So it's going to be a young team. You know, there's still plenty of talent in, you know, uh, in, the, in the pool, I guess you could say. You know, we signed four players from 2020 and uh, working on a few more here in 2021. So excited to see. And that's, you know, a big part of the league is, you know, they talked about how the 2020 class, a lot of, you know, picks might have slipped through the cracks a bit. And some of your best players might be late-round late, late round picks because you just really don't know. And that's part of the excitement going in is once these guys get to training camp, all bets are off because you really don't know who, you know, trained the best or was able to train even the last 14 months. And so that adds a lot of excitement around a young roster and, Everyone's just chomping at the bit to get after it. So it should be a lot of fun come September. Yeah, a lot of us are talking about that very thing. It's it's almost like a, a bit of a wild card for every team this year, Jack, because with all the time off, I know players have done their best to skate, maybe play in some scrimmages or some low-level tournaments, but really uh, it, it's almost like a clean sheet for everybody coming back this year. Right, and you know who knew, who knows if, who was able to have ice or, you know, whose dad froze the backyard and they were able to <laughs> skate all winter outside. Like it's just little things like that, that you really like, you know, no one has any idea. And that's going to make it really a lot of fun for the first couple of months of the year, trying to feel everything out and feel every team out. Cause really all 20, as far as I'm concerned, have a chance to, you know, win the league and make the Memorial cup. Yeah. It's going to be a, a season, I think of surprises and though they will all be pleasant surprises because we're going to be, on the ice, playing the games, and that's what matters the most after all of this madness. What about the fan base in in Flint, Jack? We, we've I, I mentioned before that that Pope and I always looked forward to the opportunity to be there for a playoff game because that arena just gives you that feel, and the fans were certainly into it with that team that we last saw in the uh, spring of 2020. Are, are they still engaged with this team after all this time off? Oh, yeah. Our fans are the best, and we, we you know... The arena's gone over an extensive makeover on the inside as well that everyone's going to be blown away with. It just adds to the fan experience. It's still going to be as loud as can be after overtime winners and home wins for London. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's one of the best atmospheres I've been a part of in the sport. You know, it's 4,000 of your closest friends right on top of you, and the the new look, the new feel, the fans are just as excited as they ever have been for a Firebird season. All right, we call this podcast OHL Stories for a reason because it's all about the stories around the game. And and your OHL story actually starts where the Firebirds came from, going to games when the Plymouth Whalers were still a team. What are your favorite memories of the Ontario Hockey League? Well, you would go to a you would go to a fighting match and a hockey game would break out. That's what <laughs> I remember. I always, you know, as a six seven year old kid, we'd go and. One of the names I remember was Ryan Ramsey of the old Plymouth Whalers. And just every whistle, there was just a scrum. And I remember asking my dad one time, why did the Nets come off so easy? And he said, well, because this happens after every play and every whistle in the crease. So uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was one of those things where it was 
we, I grew up at Joe Louis Arena with the Red Wings, but you'd go to these games and it was smaller and it felt like you were just closer and it was that big of a, of a wow moment for you as, you know, a young hockey fan to be that close to all these players and, you know, to see, you know, I was around for the Taylor Tyler draft in 2009 and I remember going to a game when uh, they played each other and it was just, you know, a lot of those early memories are from games like that and seeing where, you know, looking back nowadays and seeing where those players are, you know, who made it to the NHL, who's still playing overseas, all that stuff. So really started at the old CompuWare Arena down in Plymouth, Michigan. That's one of the great things about this game, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts, where one of the most fun things about it is to see players uh, in your building 34 times a year, maybe for four years, and then off they go to the pros, and you're like, yep, I remember that guy when, and you watch them develop in, in a variety of different ways in this game. Yeah, absolutely, and we're certainly hoping, you know, from that Firebirds team of a couple years ago, there's going to be a lot of guys, uh, you know, had their four years, and you know, four years from now, we look back and, you know, they're contributing in the NHL. We will look forward to our first encounter in person at the Dort, Jack, but really appreciate you making time for us on the podcast and bringing fans up to speed on uh, the Firebirds of 2021-2022. Thanks so much for being with us. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. Look forward to meeting you. and Can't wait for the season to get started. Jack Sneveice, new director of broadcasting and communications and the radio and TV play-by-play voice of the Flint Firebirds joining us on our alphabet tour of the Ontario Hockey League as we check in on Flint and get a sense of what the season holds when we do get underway again in October. Like Jack and I talked about, it seems like there's a clean slate here for pretty much every team. There will be some surprises. And of course, the Western Conference versus Eastern Conference play, which will be intra-conference only. There won't be any crossing over this year until that OHL final. An interesting 68 games ahead when everything gets underway in early October. But right now we take you back to one of our previous interviews and some great stories. You'll notice the laughs towards the end of this one for sure with a real personable young coach who was leading that Firebirds team when last they were on the ice. He isn't anymore, but here is our conversation with Eric Wellwood. Before we talk about coming to coach here in Flint, we got to talk about that junior career and the back-to-back Memorial Cups. I wonder, Eric, when you come into that 29-2010 season after you've won one already, was there a sense with that Spitfires team that this was uh, a title that could be defended? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we were built for that year. Um, I think it was a bit of a surprise that we won the year before that season started. So, um, you know, we had a lot of confidence in ourselves that we were going to be able to win back-to-back. You had, I, we were looking at stats, 60-30 goal scorers on that team. Not a bad club, I guess, when your top two lines are burying 30-plus. You were one of those uh, guys. What was the mood like around that team? Was it the confidence going into every game that this is our year? Well, I think everybody accepted their roles. I mean, I was a guy that never played on the power play once in four years in junior, um, and I was a penalty killer shutdown guy, and I accepted that role, and I was able to contribute offensively as well, but I think that's maybe due to the players I was able to play with. Um, <laughs> but, you know, everybody had... Uh, uh, we pushed each other in everything and that just doesn't mean uh, during the game or during practice I mean if we played a video game it was ultra competitive if we played anything it was to the max and I think uh, when you, you grow up in that type of environment and you know you're, you get that confidence that you can win at anything and you have that mentality and uh, you get that competitiveness up and I think that's one team one thing that that team had it was uh, an abundance of, of competitors 
A lot of people in Kitchener, Eric, remember that 2010 Western Conference final. The Rangers up 3-0 on the spits. The newspaper writer in Windsor famously says, it's over. What was the team feeling at that point? Those were the only three games you ended up losing the entire playoff run, including Memorial Cup. But when you're down three Cobb and even your own media is writing you off, what's going through the heads? Um, well, I, I, if you look back at the games, I don't think, I think the first game, I think we outshot them by 25 or 30 shots or something like that. And they had scored a goal that ended up being the game winner with like under two minutes to go from the red line as a dump in. And it was just seemed to be one of those, those three games where it just didn't go our way. Now, got to give credit to Kitchener as well, especially Skinner was outstanding uh, during that season <laughs> or that series. But um, we had full confidence that we were going to come back. And maybe that's just the young arrogance that we had at that. <laughs> time i mean uh, if i put myself in those shoes now i don't know if i'd have the same amount of confidence but uh it was just one of those things where we knew we had so much belief in that room that uh, we were going to come back played with quite a few players that went on to the national hockey league on those two teams an astonishing 16 players including yourself um obviously the big name taylor hall what was it playing with what was it like playing with a guy like that well, again, when I, when I spoke earlier about the competitiveness, uh, he's an ultra competitor. Uh, and it was great to watch it as somebody that has that much skill, but he works so hard. And, and you know, when you got a superstar like that leading the way as far as work ethic, I think it's you just follow. Um, it is obviously something special that you are able to see, see him play on, uh, at the National League now and tell all the boys that I'm coaching currently that, uh, <laughs> you know, that we're buddies and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he is a special player and a special kid. You had your taste, too, and even though it was cut short by injury, Eric, uh, first NHL tuck against Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm sure it was bar down, backhand cheese. How did it go? (laughs) That's exactly how it went. (laughs) The boys actually just played in a room the other night uh, because they were laughing about it because I was just on the neutral zone regroup. I was just, you know, defending, and I kept pushing their defenseman back and there was the puck was laying there after a turnover and I just fire procured it in I had no idea that it shouldn't have gone in really in the, in the grand scheme of things but uh it's always special when it did go in yeah definitely you still have the puck yeah I believe so I'm not sure where it's at I, my, I'm not very good with my stuff <laughs> I don't think I have a single hockey thing in my house right now yeah it's just one of those things you know it's my job it's my life so it's you know when you go home you like to make sure that it's just uh you can get away from hockey <laughs> You got away from hockey for a bit when you went out west to uh, go into business with your brother and a bunch of other people. What brought you back? Well, they called me. <laughs> Is there something here for yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't expecting to come back. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to get into the business that my brother and I uh, ended up getting into with our head check health. Um, and we're now at a point with that business where you don't need me there day to day. You know, I was just helping business development, meaning making connections, try to grow the company. Um, but then I got into, I was back in Windsor and coaching with the Lancers, just wanted to give back to the community and coach three games there. And then uh, the Flint job obviously opened up and uh, they gave me a call and then here I am now. <laughs> Real quick, before you went out west for that business venture, uh, you won another Memorial Cup as an assistant coach. How did you become an assistant coach with that that Oshawa club? That's a funny story. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I just retired. I didn't know what my next steps were. I was contemplating perhaps going into firefighting. Um, My mom's a firefighter. Uh, My brother-in-law's a firefighter. My dad was one. So it runs in the family. 
Um, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I went to this local bar that we, uh, you know, all the hockey guys go to in, in Decumsey, Ontario. It's called Johnny Shots. And uh, when I walked in, DJ was there, DJ Smith. And he said, there's my new assistant coach. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> how, how, many, how many deep was DJ when he made that comment? Yeah, maybe only one. For, okay, for, okay. for his sake, only one. This makes me think of something I should have brought up earlier. Asked You mentioned going back to Windsor and coaching with the Lancers. But Windsor boy back-to-back championships with your hometown team that's got to be pretty special stuff what was that feeling like for you as a kid obviously growing up watching that team in that community winning championships there yeah i mean um you know going into the draft it's a little bit funny i think uh at that age i don't say i didn't want to play for windsor i definitely wanted to i didn't i didn't expect that i was going to but i was kind of looking forward to perhaps maybe going to somewhere else so i can move away (laughs) (laughs) see the world world a little bit uh but obviously that didn't happen but thank god it didn't happen and and to be able to, you know, to win it in your hometown is obviously something special. I think there's a, a Windsor pride that a lot of people that come from Windsor have. Uh, you know, it's not a, a very big community, but it's a community that, you know, prides itself on hard work and, and that blue-collar type of town, and, and I'm proud to be from there. So to be able to, to win a championship there and give them something to celebrate is something obviously I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Sure, you'll cherish the win against them the other night. You guys put a whooping on them. <laughs> um, i got to ask, and this is away from hockey, but you're talking about Windsor. I, for one, have a favorite pizza spot in Windsor. Oh. What is your favorite go-to pizza spot in Windsor? You could, Jeez, you only so can get one more pie. Hey, one more. <laughs> Which one is it? I got to give it to Armando's. Is that's mine? Yeah, Armando's. Okay. I got. Usually, when I call, they already know it's my name and number, <laughs> so <laughs> they know the order. <laughs> you know, it's embarrassing to admit, but Popper took us. What was it, Dent? Antoninos. 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 That's a good spot, right? too. After very, our last game in Windsor, yeah. here's two broadcasters on yeah. the drive home down the 4-1 crushing a pie each. Yeah. <laughs> Not proud, yeah. but damn, yeah. that's good. Oh, there's something to be said about <laughs> Windsor pizza. I always tell people, I don't know what it is, but like you can't get a, get a bad pie in Windsor. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It really is. Um, we talked about your NHL career. It obviously cut short by a serious injury. Um, when you're skating off the ice there and, and you, you're losing blood out of your, your leg, what's going through your mind? Well, I didn't really know I was cut. You know, I knew I was hurt. Um, I was killing a penalty. I went into the boards, and obviously when I got up, I didn't feel so good. Uh, So I skated off to the bench and sat down and called the trainer over, and uh, John Sims was sitting next to me, uh, old Sarnia Sting. I think his jersey's in the rafters, actually. Uh, so he, he said, well, you're bleeding. I looked down. I said, oh, this ain't good. Use some choice words. Obviously not going <laughs> to use those words here. But uh, then the trainer and I had to get off the ice. We had to skate off the ice, actually, while the play was going on. Uh, Jason Akison, a former Ranger, actually had a breakaway on the penalty kill uh, and actually scored, but it was disallowed because not too many men, but there's an emergency, obviously, and we had to skate off to where the Zamboni was or uh, to where the ambulance was and uh, uh, get everything under control. Um, you, you know that the things aren't right. Do you know you're dying? Uh, maybe it's, you got that sense a little bit. Um, but there's you, you got trust and faith that the people in the medical staff know what they're doing, and thank God they did. <laughs> in spite of it, and in spite of how scary that is, how tough is it to give up the dream, Eric? Well, you don't really have a choice, so I think you just roll with it. And, you know, that's the way I've lived my life I mean it wasn't the easiest path that I took to get to the NHL as far as you know I wasn't a high OHL draft drafty guy Um, I had to work for everything I ever got like I mentioned earlier I never played on the power play I played 15 minutes a night you know on the high end and even when I made it to the NHL I just had to work for everything and um, you know you just take life as what it gives you Um, 
it wasn't like I said it took me two seconds after I realized that I was retired it's on to the next thing um, hockey's hockey's hockey it's just a game to me you know um, you knew that at some point it was going to end anyways so now you get to do something else player in Windsor you just talked about how you were a penalty killer never played power play 30 tucks in the O not a big deal late round pick to the NHL you eventually make the NHL not a big deal career cut short now you're head coach of a revamped Flint Firebirds team that's really turning a lot of heads so to speak did you ever picture yourself here like you're not even 30 yet. yeah a <laughs> uh, couple months a couple months I'll be 30 did I oh I don't obviously I think at this point in my life I thought I'd still be playing hockey yeah. you know they used to tell my teachers that uh, they always said you know you should put some more emphasis on your on your school and I'd always say well school is always there I could always go back to school I always picture myself being in an NHL or um, to get into coaching I had no idea you heard the story earlier about how I got into it um, I didn't go and look for it and to be honest every job that I've ever gotten as a coach I've never applied for it it just seems yeah. to have come my way and um, maybe life's put me on a trajectory that uh, you know to be a coach um, Certainly, we're happy with the way things are going here in Flint, and hopefully they continue. Not to dwell on it, but the numbers don't lie. A dismal season last year, but you're on pace this year to double that win total of a season ago and establish a new franchise mark for wins here in Flint. What's been the secret to the turnaround? (sighs) That's a good question. If I knew... Coaching. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I think we got some good players here. I don't know what the secret is, to be honest. People ask me that often. Um... You know, I, I know from my standpoint, I try to make it fun for the kids to come to the rink every day. And if you're ever in uh, one of our meetings, you know, after a game or at any time, it's always joking on the joking around and guys like to come to the rink. And, you know, I, I think uh, there's so much pressure on these kids, you know, whether it's from their agents, whether it's from their parents, whether it's trying to get drafted to the NHL, make it to the NHL, that um, I know it's my job to help them get there. But at the same time, it's still a game and you got to have fun having playing this game. And if you're not having fun you're not going to really enjoy your experience so um you know i think keeping it light and making sure that the boys enjoy coming every day we know you got to get going here shortly i just want to ask you've played under some pretty big coaches peter laviolette in philly we talked about dj bob bugner bob jones who are you most alike None of them. <laughs> I'll take two yeah, of the above. Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I think I'm a unique coach because uh, obviously if you look at me, I still get ID'd when I go to the beer store. So um, I'm pretty young and, and I, I don't have a big big presence in the sense that, you know, a demanding presence, but I think the boys like to play for me. And uh, you know, like I said, I just want them to have fun and, and they seem to like enjoy uh, coming to the rink. So that's the way I try to coach. Um, you know, it's always difficult to emulate somebody else, obviously you take some some qualities of those people that uh, you're able to learn from and and make them mold it into your your own personality but i think when it comes down to coaching you got to be who you are and if, if you're trying to be somebody fake the kids will see that right through right away all right you got to suit up for a game real quick yeah. we got a tour of the room beforehand the weight room great facility here in flint as the head coach give me your elevator pitch to a recruit that you want to bring here why would they come to flint play for the firebirds win hockey games (laughs) sold hi I'm Logan Anderson host of the Say the Damn Score podcast on my show I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by you guessed it talking to sportscasters The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.